Okay, you want to pray for us, Kara? Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are faithful, Father, and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that we can put our hope and our trust in you, God, for all things, and that you know exactly where each one of us are and what each one of us need today, God. So I just pray as we come before you today, God, that you would uh, minister to us and that you would find our uh, find our worship faith, um, pleasing unto you, God, and that um, just we would walk away, God, just um, having experienced your presence this morning, um, just truly blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
just one touch, Father. <laughs> oh, God. God, that you would increase our faith, oh, God. That you would give us a hunger, Lord, and a thirst for righteousness, Lord, for your name's sake. God, that we would be a desperate people longing for just one touch. Father, all throughout your word we see people who are just so desperate in their circumstances, but God, they know that if they can just get to you, Father, that you would heal them, that you would restore them, God, that you would provide for them. That you would be their God. You would deliver them. God, that you would make them whole. Oh, God. May we be such people, Father. Pushing our way through the crowd. just to get to you, Father. God, we've existed far too long, God, in our complacency, in our casual Christianity, Lord. We've neglected you, Father. We've held a form of religion far too long, God, denying your power, and God, have mercy upon us. Oh, God, I pray that we don't want to remain people like that. A people just satisfied with religion. <laughs> oh, God, awaken us. Awaken us, Lord. God, that we would put aside the foolishness and the folly, Lord, and the, and the sin that so easily entangles us, God. And that we would be people of your word, people of truth, people of light, people of power, people with a sound mind. People who are marked as your own, sealed for your purpose to the day of redemption. Oh God, such great love displayed through your Son. But your will is that none shall perish. So whatever it takes, God, in each of our lives, I pray that you would strip us down, God, until all we have left is you.
whoever whatever you need to remove from our lives whatever affliction may need to come upon us to bring us to a place of the reality of truly who you are that we would not just be satisfied with the form of religion. Oh, but God, that we would hunger and thirst after you. So have your way, I pray, Father, that our lives, oh God, may bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. God's power. Not in and of our own. But trusting and believing on Him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Believing in the one who laid his life down, took upon our punish, punishment so that we can live a new life, a life that would bring glory and honor to him, a life empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish His purpose and His will until He returns. A Christian. A follower of Christ. I've encouraged you all to pray specifically this prayer. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to, to print it out, to, to get it before you. And, and that's just be in agreement. That we would pray, Lord, help us to, to pray fervently. To avoid sin victoriously. That we will learn God's way deeply. That we would give to God cheerfully. That we would worship God faithfully. That we would glorify God constantly. That we would love God wholeheartedly. And that we would trust God immediately. Next week I'm praying that we will get back into our, our walking through the Bible. But as we have discussed over the past few days, the past weeks, like something is not right. <laughs> something is not right. And I've been warning us, and, and it just hasn't been me, but just people of God throughout the earth are sounding the alarms. But it's getting darker, and deception is growing and growing and growing and growing. And people are falling away. We are living in dark days, soon to become darker. And our casualness, our complacency in the church is not going to be tolerated much longer by God. It's not going to be tolerated much longer. He is slow to anger. He is 
merciful and kind, full of love. His love abounds throughout generations upon generations upon generations. It endures. But God has always dealt with his people severely when they have neglected him and their purpose. And I'm just not talking about our nation, but I'm talking about our nation. I'm talking about the churches in this nation. And then I'm talking about us individually. Like we need to wake up to the good news, to the gospel. And then we need to preach it daily. Taking every opportunity that we can because we know the days in which we are living in is evil, are evil. And the enemy is not taking a day off. He's not taking an hour off. He's not taking a second off. The enemy's plan in John 10.10 10 says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says that I've come to give life and life and abundance. And as followers of Christ, that is our message. That is where we go into the darkest world and declare the good news. That Jesus has come to give life and life and abundance. Turn from evil. Do good. Seek for peace. Work hard to maintain it. Come to Jesus. The Bible says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are to be out there reconciling people back to God. And the only way people are reconciled back to God is through Jesus Christ. It's through the declaration of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The good news. But if the church, if individual Christians don't believe it, then we're never going to impact our generation. We won't. But there is work to be done. There is hope still. Not everything is doom and gloom, no matter how crazy it gets out there. Or the next report we receive, I share with you on Friday night, that in prayer the other night, you know, we all can be overwhelmed or look at what's happening in the news with these laws being passed where abortions can be now done in New York at, the, at nine months. We can, we can look at what's happening with sexual perversion on the rise. We can see pedophilia on the, uh, being discussed as the norm. We, we see marrying robots, sex robots. You know, we're seeing all this stuff, perversion just running among the porn industry, the sex slave industry. But we also see the lukewarmness in the church. <laughs> it's no different than any of that. And we react when we see the world act ugly. <laughs> we react like, ooh, how dare they? And we're quick to point fingers. How dare we? 
How dare you, how dare me live a complacent life, a life bound to, to sin, to darkness, to despair, to insecurities, to gossip and backbiting and slander, to jealousies. And yet somehow we think we're different. In reality, we're not, but we ought to be. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. So are we living as free people? And it, it baffles my mind and it has baffled my mind for quite some time. And in my mind being baffled, I've chosen to yoke myself to sin and to the lies that comes from the church and quote unquote Christians who declare a gospel that says Jesus came, died for your sins, rose on the third day, ascended into heaven, sent forth his Holy Spirit, but you remain a slave to sin. And you say, well, I don't hear that preach. Oh, but watch how people live. Who say they are Christians but display no freedom in them. No freedom in their life. Oh, they pray 10 hours a day. <laughs> they read their Bible. <laughs> they come to church, and yet they're still dead in their sin. Remember a few weeks ago, Jesus said to those Pharisees, to those religious people, you will die in your sins. And we heard that. And how did you respond? How did it go for you? When temptation came a-knocking, did you find yourself comfortable in your sin that so easily entangles you? Or did you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit go, Oh God, wait a minute, what? God, I don't want to live that way. If this is what you say, then I want to believe. And I know then people will say, well, then you preach Christian perfectionism. And a Christian will never be perfect. Because that's what I hear at times. And no one is claiming that a Christian is going to be perfect. But I want to choose to believe what the Word of God says, that if I walk habitually in the Spirit, then I won't gratify the desires of my flesh. I want to believe in 1 John where it says, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, remember the one. Remember Jesus. He's your advocate. Repent. Get up and keep moving forward. You see that false gospel in which I believe that we have, we have received and, 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 and just kind of dwell in says, Jesus died for me. Jesus rose again. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He sent forth His Holy Spirit, and yet I'm still bound by sin. Because listen to people's excuses for why they stay the way they are. My heart was so broken in prayer and worship last night. Because I think of the people that have been in and out 
of this ministry. Enslaved to sin and to death. And if they died right where they're at, they would be separated from an eternal God. And you said, but they prayed a prayer. Huh. No, they're Christians. They're safe. And I want to believe that. But the word of God tells me differently. What are we believing? The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to pervert the, the word of God. He comes to deceive. He's working overtime. And we're saying nothing. We're just idly sitting by, doing the will of Satan. Not the will of our Father, but the will of hell. Deceiving others. Just idly sitting with them, going along with them, having no standard around them, and saying, God bless you. Oh yes, you're saved. And we may not be, that may not be coming out of our mouth telling people that they're saved. But our actions to them is we treat them as if they're a Christian. Lying to them. Lying to them. It's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Bible says those who endure to the end will be saved. Those who are found in Christ. I say, God, help us. I told you last week, we cannot believe that the teacher of our, of our knowledge of God, of, of theology, cannot be the devil. And trust me, I've listened to many of preachers, I've read many of books... I've been challenged over the years and yet God keeps bringing me back to truth. To truth. There's no way around it. As much as I want to believe man's teachings and that, that are swayed by the devil because it's easier to think that way. It's easier to believe that way. I'm okay with God. He understands my weaknesses. I'm just a sinner. That's all I'm ever going to do. One day, he'll come and, and take me home with him. It's an easy gospel to believe. Let me be who I am. But I don't see it anymore. And the true gospel. The gospel that declares 
that we were all, all born sinners. Separated from God. And complete rebellion towards Him. Going our way. Living for me, myself, and I. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you will be saved. And in that belief and in that confession, there's a transformation that takes place because you see yourself as a sinner. You see yourself as the one who is rebellious to the one who loves. <laughs> and in that confession and in that belief, you surrender your life. No longer me, but you, God. I belong to you now. I have been Born again. I am a new creation. And in this newness, I shall live and walk and breathe in freedom. No longer a slave to condemnation. No, no longer bound to sin. And I recognize that temptation is not sin. <laughs> but that you make a way out of every temptation. It is my choice to rebel against you. That's what sin is. Freely choosing to rebel against the one whom we say we love. But that's not where we belong. And I know we think the big sins. But no, I'm just talking about bad attitudes, negative mindsets. Poor stewardship of your, of your finances, of your resources, of everything. And I've been guilty myself. And I'm like, oh God. But we don't wall around in shame and condemnation. No, we see it for what it is and we say, oh God, no. Like, God, whatever it takes, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. That's not where I want to be. That's not who I am anymore. And we get up and we keep moving forward. We must believe in whom the one we say we belong to. Our life is to be molded and shaped. He is the potter and we are the clay. He does with, what, with us what He wills. And we should be comfortable with it. We should be comfortable with it. As I was worshiping last night and praying, in the... In, in, in the lady and she was singing and she was quoting scriptures she said of the scripture where it says well, when I thought of and when I think of of God and 
And I realized that it was him who, who allowed these afflictions upon me to basically to crush me. That I might desire him, basically. Wow. God. Do we know our God? Because we all do. To have that type of faith, to, to see God's word for what it is, and, and to go back and say, well, this is true. Because a lot of times you say, oh no, God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't do that. Because we want him to be the God that's kind and easy, easy, easy peasy on us. Like God, just make everything a cakewalk. Do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me. But make it all good. <laughs> for me. <laughs> God's going, I don't know you. You don't know me. God uses a adverse circumstances, adversity to, to bring us to a place of surrender because he knows where we need to be on the potter's will. Not trying to get off of it. Not battling and fighting him to try to form and shape ourselves. When we form and shape ourselves, we look retarded. Our hand is where our foot should be. <laughs> we don't know where the pieces of our lives go. But the potter does. And we've got to trust in him. To say, I'm turning from my old ways, from my sinful nature, and I'm trusting in you. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I'm going to live for Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you, it baffles my heart and my mind for myself, for us, for the church. Like people sit. I mean, I've been just as guilty. People sit. Spend time in the Word. <laughs> Can quote it back and forth, the left and right. Have such a knowledge of it. Spend time in prayer. <laughs> spend time in fellowship. Spend, even spend time discipling people. And yet, not changed. Not transformed. It's all a facade. And they don't even see it. I mean, the years that I was doing, I didn't even see it. Well, I shouldn't say that. I saw it, but I didn't care. The, the truth is, there was years of my life that I was spent, locked up in, in torment. In my heart and my mind. And I knew, oh God... I'm stiff-arming you. I'm sinning. 
but I don't care because I don't know what to do. And then he came to pour me. I saw all the obstacles in front of me. I, I saw the giant was greater than my God. The mountain was greater than my God. Everything was greater than my God. So I bowed down to them, but yet I told everyone else how great God is for them. Then I read stories of pastors and people who are in ministry that experience the same thing. And if they don't repent, God have mercy. God have mercy. That's a very dangerous place to be. And it's just not for pastors or people in ministry. It's Christians because every Christian is called to minister. <laughs> and do you understand the thousands of Christians, the millions of Christians, or whatever the total amount of Christians are upon this earth that go in and out of church, in and out of prayer? <laughs> I said, God help us. I was thinking of that little thing that's been passing around on social media where it's the little kittens. It's that picture where the little kittens are going into prayer. And then it says, after prayer, it's these lions, and here they come. And we all like them. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, but that's not how you are. The true picture, if I could do it, I would put it out. The true picture is the little kittens going in for prayer. And then coming out shaved and wilted down and just a skin, you know, furless kittens coming out weak and beaten down. And you say, why, what? But look at life. Oh yeah, that's true. And we go into prayer. Blah, 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 blah. Everyone's praying. And then as soon as you step out, you get the phone call. Or as soon as you step out, someone cuts you off. Or as soon as you step out, a family member does that. Or a co-worker says this. Or this and this and this and that. And all of a sudden, you forgot that you were this roaring lion. That sin cannot defeat. Circumstances cannot destroy. And you crawl back down to a weak, miserable. Because you're not the same as you went in. Oh, that is true because you're even weaker. Because you believe you've done something. In reality, you've done nothing. You have a form of religion. You deny the power of God. And I said, God help us. We read the word, we, we, we see the truth of God, we, we, we confess it, we speak it. And yet when it's time to, to come forth from us, we crack. <laughs> now all of a sudden we don't know it. Now all of a sudden we don't know him. And yet, the picture to the church is that's normal. It's normal for you to spend hours in prayer and come out weaker. It's normal for you to spend hours in the Word and not be able to stand. Who is believing? I don't want to believe that anymore. I don't want to be around it anymore. 
Because that's not the God who delivered me. That's not the God who said, just trust me. I am your God. I love you. I am for you and not against you. I am your deliverer. I am your provider. I mean, we read these encounters in scripture of just regular men and women who believed and nothing, not even death, made them quake. You want to spend hours in prayer? The spinning on your face, repenting. Asking God to increase your faith. Where's the men and women of God who are believing today? Where are they at? I know they're on this earth. Because God always has a remnant hidden. The people who will stand will say no more. Not on my watch. Not in this hour, not in this day, not in this second. Like we're in a war. We're in a war. For the hearts and the lives of men and women and children. And we're tied up. But God is saying, I'm setting my captive, the captives free. My people are awakening. I'm raising them up in the last hour. I've allowed them to experience and allow them to go their way, but I'm calling them back. I'm doing a new thing among them. They've experienced all that they need to to get them to where I'm taking them. Endure. Persevere. The time is urgent. The time is now. For the church to awaken. He's breathing afresh and anew. And we cannot play games anymore. We can't keep believing this weird false gospel. Everyone's going to heaven. Doesn't matter. Say a little prayer. Oh, you said the name of Jesus. Oh, you're saved. Well, they look. Like they believe. Well, we don't have deep theological conversations, but you know, I'm not comfortable that, you know. And yet Jesus says, multiple times, but one of my favorites is when he says, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for my kingdom. And remember that little weak, pathetic, shaved, furless kitten that just came out of prayer? That's the people, that's the picture of looking back. You're not fit. The sad thing is, is that we just crawl out and we just limp our way through life instead of going back into the prayer. Going back into the prayer room and saying, oh God, forgive me.
we believe the lies of the enemy and the false gospel, and we just go about our days believing that which is a lie. I mean, if Jesus himself was very stern and direct with the religious people and very direct in his teachings to his disciples, it would do us some good to pay attention. To pay attention. To pay attention. Not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. My will would want to make it easy for everyone. Your will would make it, you would want to make it easy for everyone. But that's not the Father's will. So the next time that you want to just idly sit back and sit by, the next time you want to spend all this time in prayer, but you can't not allow the Holy Spirit to tame your tongue. The next time you want to sit and just and study the word and be in the word and know the word, but you can't uphold the word for your own self, much less anyone else. Remember this day. We've been warned. We've been warned. Not by man. Open scripture. By God. Even back in the Old Testament. You think coming to this temple you're saved? You think just being here makes you right with me? He says, no. No. And you said, well, that's the old. I said, well, then go to Revelation and read the letters to the church, to the churches. Read scripture. Where he says, depart from me. I don't know you. And they said, but, but we did all these works for you. <laughs> but you're a worker of sin. You're a worker of iniquity. No, God, I don't do this. I, don't, I didn't do the big sin. Surely, God, you're okay with me gossiping. And backbiting and telling everyone's business and manipulating, lusting secretively, wishing for other things, not content with what you've given me, lying so easily because I because we've believed the false sense of reality that we've conjured up for ourselves. So we go along with it and we still claim to be his. Surely, God, you just mean the big sins because you know we're only human. Surely you don't expect me, God, to live right. You hear how foolish that is? Do we not hear how foolish that is? Are we truly going to think just because we said a little prayer and then you say, but well then how, how then can one be saved? By believing and confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But that belief and that confessing has to be truth for you. 
Like your eyes have been opened. You genuinely repent. Like, oh, I'm disgusted with me. <laughs> I'm disgusted with everything I've been and was. And if I keep going this way, will be. Oh, God. What a wretched man or what a wretched woman I am. <laughs> I am unclean and unfit to be in your presence. But God, how gracious you are that you loved me, yet though I was in complete rebellion towards you, you loved me that you would send Jesus to die for me, to reconcile me back to you that I may now be at peace with you. Even though I'm living in this tormented world, where the desires of the flesh scream within me, but I don't have to allow them to, to, to suppress me or to, to hold me down. I can walk in victory over them because I can walk empowered by your Holy Spirit. That if I genuinely walk and daily and hourly and moment by moment, I'm seeking to walk by faith and not by sight, to walk in truth, to walk in peace, that I don't have to give in to the desires of the flesh. I know that the Word of God says that the flesh and the spirit war against each other within me. <laughs> But the word also says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And I know what it was like to taste of the world, the taste of the things that my flesh desired, the nastiness, the, the negative mindset, lying and manipulating. Forget the big sins. Just those that we just exist with. No, it's horrible. Oh, God, your word says that I am a new creation. That I am to be a living sacrifice. That I nailed my old desires, my old self to your cross. Not to my cross, but to your cross. That the world's interests in me are dead and my interest in the world is no more. That I have the mind of Christ. That I have a sound mind. This confession and this belief transforms. Because you're born again. If your confession and your belief is not transforming you. If you're still okay with sin in your life. You're not a Christian. And I know people would hear that and go, you're wrong. <laughs> Well, I would rather err on being wrong on this than to err in saying, oh, it's okay. Just keep sinning. Just keep going your way. God understands you're into heaven. But even if I am wrong in erring on this side of saying, no, 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 I don't want sin in my life. Don't think I'm living schizophrenic and don't think that you have to live schizophrenic. <laughs> As thinking, oh, oh, he's going to get me. He's going to get me if I do wrong. Oh, oh. But the thing you don't know, you're God. <laughs> That's what gets me. People, the stuff I've heard over the years. Like, when you know God, 
Like when David cried out, Search me, O God. Test me. See if there's any wicked way within me. If he was schizophrenic in his mind about his God getting him, that would be the last prayer he would pray. His confidence is in his God. Our confidence is in our God that God, if I fail, which I'm sure I will, God, you are quick to save. Holy Spirit, you are quick to convict. Oh, that's not where you ought to be. Why are you still thinking that way? Why did you just say that? Why did you just manipulate this situation? Why did you did it? It's not who you are. And you go, oh, you're right, God. And again, you don't feel all the weird condemnation, the shame, you know? No, you just feel a genuine repentance. You're sickened by it, like, oh, God. But you're not beating yourself up. You're not playing that weird tormented game that people play. No, you just repent and you get up. God, forgive me. Like, yes, Holy Spirit, thank you for your conviction. Thank you for truth. That you've given me the weapons of my warfare to demolish strongholds. That you're keeping me alert not to give the devil a foothold so that strongholds will not be developed over my life. Because I don't want to believe, I don't want a stronghold to set in to where now I'm believing something that is contrary to your truth. No, God, search me. Test me. See if there's any wicked way within me. God, have mercy. That I would walk upright in a crooked and perverted generation. That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That it's not about me striving to be perfect or beating myself up in my mind. Oh, I'm just not good. I'm just not good. I'm just not good. No, it's about being in a genuine relationship after confessing and believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believing in the fact that He came, He died for me, He paid the penalty that I deserved. Woohoo! I'm free! I'm not going to have to endure God's wrath. The one who loved me did it for me. So when I slip, when I fall, I get up. Not because I'm arrogant or prideful. And disrespecting what he did for me, making it common as if his blood was nothing. But no, I choose oh God. I don't want to be that way. And God, keep me down until I can get up and stand against it because you're my protector. You love me. You love me above all, not because of anything in me, but because of Jesus. You love me. You love me. When's the last time you just said that? Like, God, you love 
me. Not because I'm worthy. Not because, oh, I've kept everything right. Or, look, I checked off everything. No, but, God, you just love me. Like, why wouldn't I follow you? Why would I make a mockery of you? Why would I lie about you? Why would I make you so common and your blood so common that it has lost all power? It makes us white, whiter than snow. And a lot of us are darker and dark and dark and dark. And we don't care. Oh, God spoke this to me. God said this to me. God said this. God said this. Oh, God said this. Oh, God this. And God this. And God that. And God this. And God that. And we're living like we don't even know God. But it sounds good to people who are deceived. Oh, they think we're super spiritual. And we're leading people astray. Because we're led astray. Oh, it sounds good. And then people put their hope and their trust in a lot of people who are speaking. <laughs> and yet falling, living in hidden sin. And then what happens with the people who, who are following? It doesn't even have to be Pat, it just to be Christians. And then all of a sudden they go, and now we're all shocked. Because the deceived had no truth in them to, to, to measure the person and go, oh, wait a minute. That's not fruit. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, that's just how they are. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Explode. <laughs> and it's like leading people just straight to hell. But we need to start holding each other accountable, going, wait a minute, wait. Like, no. That's not appropriate anymore. No, I'm sorry. I can't love you, say I love you, and not say to you, no more. Oh, but you don't know about this. I don't care to know. I'm going to remind you about God. I want to remind you about the one in whom you're saying you're receiving from. And then not acting like. And it seems interesting that conviction is not quick in your life. To bring you to a place of repentance. Oh, he's, I'm a work in progress. It's going to take a few years. Oh, I'm like, Jesus. I want to encourage us, you all. We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. The kingdom of God is just not a lot of words. It's not a lot of talk. But it's a power. And that's what I want to share. I've already said to my giants and those mountains and those circumstances that I made greater than my God over these past years, no more. Oh God, no more. But before I did that, I put my faith in Christ and said, God, forgive me for knowing you and then stiff-arming you. Thank you for the adversity 
thank you that I still have breath in my body. I don't want to make people, people greater than my God. Not that I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> but sometimes it's just easy to go, oh. drawing me into a season of quietness and this and that. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And then I look at this person and I see where they're at. And I go, wow. Wow. That's just one of many should have done at the point when they were speaking is stop them and say don't use his name because goodness knows you're going to get up from here and you're going to go right back to your filth and if you die tonight you're going to go to hell with his name on your lips to eternal damnation so go run to your lover's arms go keep destroying your family and act like you're praising God. Because in the end, you'll get your reward. Oh, but that's just... <laughs> God said, no more. No more. No more. They sit in front of you. Tell them what I'm telling you. Be like the rest. That just sends them on their way. It's challenging, you all. Because the hour is dark. And there's a way to communicate, though the individual may or may not want to hear it. But there's a way to speak. Stop going along with things. Stop pretending. Stop listening. Well, I'm just a good listener. No, you're not. You're, a, you're just like the devil. <laughs> you say, how does that make me like the devil? Because there's no truth coming from you. You're just listening. Well, it's just who they are. Oh, it's just a horrible situation. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh. And as soon as you stop listening, you're talking about them. To yourself, to others, bah, 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 bah. But you don't say nothing to them. And that goes for all of us. The moment that you have is when they're right in front of you or when you have the phone to your ear or in your hands texting. No, I will not be a pawn and continue to play this weirdness. Here's truth. We're living in a generation where the church has to be real. Where the church is vibrant. Where the gates of hell 
are not prevailing because the Word of God says it can't. And people are going to come into the church lost, confused, broken, a hot mess. And they ought to. Filled with all desires and lifestyles and all this mixed up stuff. And we as the church should be ready to receive, to share the gospel, to disciple them, to encourage them, to walk through it with them. Not holding them to the standard here, because there's no standard yet, because Christ hasn't been received. But as soon as they receive Christ, they confess and they believe. <laughs> Hold them up. Hold them up. I remember, I was thinking of this the other day, Norma. I remember being in my room at Lee Vista with you on the floor. <laughs> And I was in one of the weakest times season as a pastor, as a Christian. I had no fight left in me. But I said, oh God. Strengthen me for this. Not my will, but your will. Breathe afresh and new on me. Because here's this woman who was so broken. The reality is, God, where is she going to go if I don't love her? Where is she going to go if Gilda and I don't embrace her? Because I know if I just put her back out there, what church is she going to walk into? That's when the birthing, that's when the, 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 the reality of what we were called to, to be sparked back up. And that's what's been flaming me over these past years, months, weeks, days. Where are they going to go? I mean, people should be able to come because the message is true freedom. Because <laughs> where are they going to go? Where are they going to find it if they can't find it here? We've got to start building our fellowship. So that we can then, like we we're learning, send out and other fellowships can be established throughout our, our county, throughout our city, throughout our state, throughout the nation, throughout the earth. Because <laughs> we have to work overtime. Because that's what the enemy's doing. Creating homes and places where people can come. Broken, busted, and disgusted. But minister to that they would feel the love of God and look around the people that are there and go, they're different. 
and that they would know that we belong to Him by our love for one another. Genuine love, not a put on, but a genuine love. And if then they don't want it, that's fine. If they don't want Him, that's fine. We'll love them enough to put them right back out. I mean, it's the most craziest thing what we humans do. We see the torment and the destruction that is out there. (laughs) And yet we just go back out there. Oh, this is better. This is better. I I can't do this. I can't do this. This this was better for me. It will be different this time. churches, and I understand, so don't get me wrong, but churches, except one, they finally took him in, but churches wouldn't let him in. They wouldn't let him in. They were so guarded that every time that he would See, they would see him. That's what they would. That's he's the child molester. He's the child molester. He's the child molester. Ooh, get the children all around. Everyone's so uncomfortable around him. And I remember being in this church that he actually was able to come, and and I and I and I applaud the pastors, and I applaud like the church community, because they were really direct and honest with them, not just with him, not just with Carl. But with the whole church and dealing with their sin. Not just him, but the homosexuals that were there, the adulterers that were there, the women who loved to run their mouth and, and berate people, the gossiping, the, the struggling to get into leadership and fighting for position. This pastor was making it happen. He was holding them all accountable. There was such strong accountability in this church that I was so blown away. It was the first church that ever invited me. He's like, listen, I want you to stand up. I want you to declare what God has done in your life. And then I want you to teach those who are struggling. I want them to come forth. I want them to feel comfortable enough that if you're struggling with homosexuality, this is the place. I'm like, wow. But if Carl had never found that church Where would Carl have gone? Because every church just saw him as a child molester. And that pastor looked at me and said, I don't see him any longer as a child molester. I see him as a redeemed saint, a man of God. And let me tell you, that pastor lost a lot of people, left the church, took their children and went. And he said, Rob, one family, I opened the door. And I said, get out. I said, who is this man I'm, I'm meeting? End up eventually going overseas. 
And the son took over the church, but that's a whole different story because that church was spun downward. <laughs> I said, who is this man? But I remember the first night I met Carl, knew nothing about him. And he said to me, after praying, we were sitting there talking, old man, he was an old man. Sitting there talking, praying. And then he looked at me, I remember him looking at me saying, I just need to make you aware, you know, that I'm a convicted child molester. And I said, oh, Carl, it's nice to meet you. And I said, well, I just, well maybe I should make you aware that, you know, my past, I, I'm, I'm, I was a homosexual. And every time I said, Carl, the point is, are you still a child molester? He was like, no, I, I'm a redeemed, I'm a saved man. I said, well, Carl, same for me. I'm no longer a homosexual. I said, but Carl, if those desires ever flare up, I want you to know you've got someone in your life that you can call whatever hour of the day or night. And I remember us just crying together. I remember sitting out in public with him in different places because he was known. And then people pulling me aside going, well, you really shouldn't be associated with him. You realize how people are going to see and think that an ex-homosexual is hanging out with a, with a child molester. I'm like, well, why am I ex and he's not? Oh, it was the craziest time, but the best of times. Because we started a prayer group in this church in the, in the mornings and we were meeting weekly praying. One day, this, this young man came up behind us, grabbed our hands. He started praying. And I knew that he was kind of like the janitor in the church. And so I finally turned out to prayer, and we met. His name was Moses. I believe that was his name. And he was part because on this church property, they had a, a resident where people who were struggling with addictions could stay and be mentored and discipled. And he was part of this program. He just recently gave his life to Christ. And he goes, I come in here every time y'all are here. Because the power of God is so strong in here. And he just began to share and just to get to know him and all. A few months later, Moses was struck down by a car, killed. But I just remember seeing his face and just how God moved in and through his life. That he was no longer the ex-gangbanger, the ex-drug addict. He was being restored to his family. And I remember him looking at Carl one day and said, Carl, I'm going to believe and pray that you're going to be restored to your family. Because Carl's kids want nothing to do with him. And what was so beautiful about Carl is that he didn't hold any grudges towards the people who were in the church that treated him like he was an outsider to his family because in and of himself he understood. He served his time, he understood. But he trusted in God. He trusted in God. And I started thinking about him the other day. And I was like, God, I miss my time with Carl. I just miss hearing and talking to him and encouraging each other and edifying each other and building each other up. 
But I thought about him too. If that church didn't take him in, where would he have gone? And you say, well, no, no, you've got to have this. And yes, you have to have discernment. And yes, you have to have, you know, uh, safeguards. Yes. <laughs> no one's saying get rid of all of that. But again, what made this church different was that everyone was held accountable. I used to love to watch the women go to classes on how to tame their nasty tongue. <laughs> Women who were honest about their wickedness and their bad attitudes. And you can see them going down the hall to their classes because they wanted to be accountable. Women who would get up and testify how they'd been delivered. I mean, it was phenomenal what was taking place. And I haven't thought about this church in forever. Now, wait a minute. Because isn't it funny? That that memory I would have let, I would have given to the enemy, you know, to not remember and remember all the craziness that I've seen in churches. Mm-hmm. And then allow that craziness to become my norm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's just church. <laughs> that's just Christians. <laughs> and that's just what we do and, and who we are. But I'm like, wait a minute, shaking off the deception and the lies and going, wait a minute, I don't belong here. (laughs) Because God is good. And God is faithful. And God does deliver. And depending upon where we've come from and what we're going through, The expression of freedom in Christ, again, after receiving him and being transformed, is to know your triggers. It is to have such a strong accountability network to say, oh no, if I go back, I've got some brother or sister standing there going, no. If I turn this side, I've got a brother and sister going, no. But ultimately, I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me that quickens me and says, "Uh Uh-uh, you could choose to, Rob. Why would you? The Holy Spirit inside me that when I've made my exit plan from this place, from my marriage, to go running right back crazy. As I'm heading to the door, the Holy Spirit, why are you living? (laughs) You're a dead man. And do you realize if I would have stepped out of that door, if I would have made my plans, what I set to do come to pass? <laughs> after tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, after experience his freedom and his goodness and his power, God knows where I would be today. That's why you have to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You allow Him to lead. But if you choose 
You should have be an intimate relationship and fellowship with believers to where you're being held accountable. And genuine, true accountability. Not just someone who just listens to you. But someone who will go toe-to-toe with you. Someone who would love you enough to say, oh, that's how you want to live? But if you ever change your mind, give me a call. People who will love us enough. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. We can't keep believing the lies of the enemy. I mean, come on. I had people freaking out, family members, friends, that I let you back around. I had people freaking out, left and right, letting you back around me. I remember what God has called me to. And I said, God, I just want to see it fulfilled. Not for anything of me, but all for you. I want you to go this week and as you see loved ones, as you see friends, as you see co-workers, as you see people out on the streets, I want you to ask them, where would they go? Where would they go? I need, if you're going to be here, I need y'all to be invested now. Gone are the days where you're one foot in, one foot out. Here, over there, and gone over there, running to this way, running that way. I need people who are going to be invested now. I want to see more people come into our fellowship and go to the nations. How exciting for our sister. She couldn't have gotten to the nations if we just dismissed her. And you say, well, there, should, there may have been another church. <laughs> well, I risk it. What if there's not? <laughs> and just don't expect me to do all the investing in the people's lives. You all need to be trained up <laughs> to start investing. It's time, you all. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's going to cost us everything. Our reputations. It's going to cost us our, our, our maybe friendships. It's going to cost us because people are going to look and say, well, that's strange. That's different. That's weird. That's such hard teaching. All he talks about is, oh, God, God, going to get us, going to get us. And that's not the message, but that's what people hear. And of course, that's what those who are so bound to self hear. Because I don't want to hear the message of wrath. Or I'm going to be held accountable. Or that I think I'm saved, but now I'm going to lose my salvation. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I want to know that I'm okay. Everything's good. Everything's right. Make me feel good. I love it when I hear the genuine people. Not people who, oh, I don't want to hear. No, I love people when they say, no, I'm not ready for that. I've heard that response. And you know what? I feel, I thank God. Yes. Yes. Go on back to the bars. 
go on back to your craziness because you're right, you're not ready. And I respect you for that. <laughs> I respect you with everything within me. Because <laughs> you have a right. At least there's not pounce and prancing all around to all these different churches and all these different things and running amok, man. We got to get grounded. We got to get right with God. It's time to get our hands dirty and our feet going and our mouths open. The Bible talks about correcting believers when you see them in error. There's a way to do it, but be mindful so that you don't get trapped up in it and get carried away by it. There's a way to live out the Christian life that reflects how God designed it. Because if it cannot be lived, then where's the hope? But I truly believe it can be. The Word of God says, and you've heard me say it over and over, that He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. Let's believe it. First for ourselves. I want you to go this week, and I want you just to get real and raw and open with God. <laughs> and saying, God, <laughs> all of me. <laughs> I'm laying it all down on the altar. I'm climbing back up on your potter wheel. <laughs> and I know it's going to hurt. <laughs> and I know it's going to feel uncomfortable. And I know there's things that's going to have to be broken <laughs> and shattered. But God, <laughs> I trust you. I trust you. These past days, going through that detox was probably one of the worst things, but the best things ever. Because it not only detoxed me physically, <laughs> but something has happened <sighs> spiritually. And I didn't set out spiritually to detox. But something has happened. And I'm like, <sighs> okay, God, I know you've been speaking. I know you've been there. Like, see, that's the awesomeness of God. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. I mean, that's why he's, that's why he's just in his deliver, deliverance of judgment. Because through the, he's been there. Every time I got off track, every time this and that, he's there. No, no, you're mine. No, no, you're mine. And then it's up, it's up to me, it's up to you to respond And there's been times where I think, oh God, yes, and then I'm right back, and then, oh God, oh, but no, now they're, I, want, I said, God, I want everything, I just want it to be consistent, let's stay focused now. Let's trust in Him. This is going to be hard in and of ourselves. But let's believe that a small group of people can impact the nations. Let's believe. And again, if you don't want to believe, I get it. 
that's fine. Believe somewhere else. Go be committed somewhere else. Go get involved somewhere else. And I pray, I genuinely, I pray it goes well, and I pray that God will use it mightily. But I do. I want to believe. I don't know what's ahead, but I do. I know God, and I want to believe. So in closing, I just want to remind us of our vision. And I'm going to ask you to, to, when Carrie sends this out, to print it out and keep it in front of you. Put it on your phone. Call to encourage, edify, and equip the body of Christ in order to radically save souls to advance his kingdom. That's our vision. Called to encourage, to edify, and to equip the body of Christ in order to radically save souls to advance his kingdom. The harvest is plentiful. And we want to be the laborers that are effective. We don't want to be part of the few. <laughs> I mean, we want to be part of the few. We don't want to be part of the masses where, you know, we think we're laborers. In reality, we're not. And then so, then who are we? Do you know who we are as a fellowship? He who the Son has set free is free indeed. John 8, 36, True Freedom Fellowship, a group of people. Listen, see if you're committed to this. If you're not, then I'm fine. It's okay. But I'm looking for people that are going to start being committed. Listen. A group of people who have chosen to die to themselves, to pick up their cross, and to follow Christ daily. We are a full-functioning church within the body of Christ. We don't meet in a traditional building, but in a home. A living room is our sanctuary, and couches are our pews. The dining room is our fellowship hall, and our pastor can be found in an armchair instead of a pulpit. But our hearts are the same as millions of believers all over the world, a desire to serve at the pleasure of our King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And our mission field is our family, neighbors, co-workers, our communities, to the ends of the earth. A group of people who have overcome the bondage of their past, through the redemptive, freeing, and healing power of Jesus Christ, been forgiven a much and have the desire to see genuine freedom come to the captives of sin and shame. That should be your desire. Not just going along with them. No, you have been radically transformed by the power of God. Live as such. Doing life together, 24-7, a commitment, a lifestyle, a commitment to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and a commitment to each other to encourage, edify, and build up the body of believers. Come, live this life out loud for the world to hear. For the world to hear. It looks different. It's strange to people. Why would a married couple open up their home to all these people, people in and out, 
people sharing life and doing life together. And listen, I know over the years people have felt like, oh, and, and I think there are even still that deception that goes on, but I want to deal with it this morning. If you feel you don't fit in, it's because you're not fitting in. <laughs> Stop blaming in your weird head, oh, something about Robin and Carrie Robin, Nala Robin this, or this person and that person. We're all just little clicks in a group. I want to demolish that lie of the enemy. If you feel you don't fit, it's because you don't know how to fit. So get over your weird insecurities, grow up, get up, and start acting right. Start acting right. I belong. Not because Norma makes me feel like I belong. No, I belong because Christ. I belong. I'm around God's people. I belong. I belong. Okay, so maybe they're not, you know, jubilant every time I walk in, but I belong. I know they love me. I know that, you know, they, they, they you know, I, I've seen them there. For, I, no, I'm not listening to the lie anymore. I belong. Good God, if we have to make everyone feel that all we're doing is basing our ministry on your feelings. And I'm exhausted of doing that. I have done it. And I'm exhausted. I don't want to do it anymore. We fit together. Because we're the body of Christ. And we're not fighting each other. There's work to be done. There's truth that needs to be spoken. There's lives that are in complete desperation. And we have the truth to set the captives free. So I love that last line. Come live this new life out loud for the world to hear. They ought to see us living differently. And that's what I'm telling you. Like I, I don't care what people want to say about Francis Chan, whatever. But when I hear this man of God who has been given a platform worldwide share the, the vision that God has given us that we just haven't done, I go, good gracious. I said, thank you, God. Doing this series... And those of you who haven't read the book yet, The Letters to the Church, I know you have it. <laughs> read it. Those who are reading it, read through it again. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us can sit around and testify going, it's like you wrote it, Rob. <laughs> it's like the vision of house churches. And then when we ended the other night and we watched the last section of the video, it's just short little videos, and he goes, to see house churches planted throughout this nation. To see God move in a way. And I go, oh my God. I go, God, are, are we, are we, is this serious? Like we've been doing this. 
But now it's time to do it right. Now it's time to wake up and go, wait a minute. We have an opportunity to be a part of what God is birthing. I mean, that many years, 11 years, that long it's been. I remember Pastor Sammy looking at me. He goes, "You're on, you're, you're on the ground breaking. You know, you're, 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 you're God's doing something. God's going to use this at the latter days. <laughs> like I don't know if you really know, <laughs> like what's ahead. But this is, this is, this is new. <laughs> and though house churches are not new overseas, and house churches aren't new in America. In fact, when we first started, we visited a few." But they were weird. <laughs> they were angry people at the church. They thought it was strange that I was we were birthed out of an institutional church. And I went to their conferences. And, and I just met and tried to be discipled and talked to these other people. And I was just like, this is all weird. No, I don't, I don't want to do it because my heart's not in it. This is strange. That's not how I feel. So house churches in America have always got a bad rap that they're cuckoo people. And I know that's how people looked at us. Even when I've gone to pastor's conferences or I've gone and I've met with people and, and they say, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, yeah. And they shake my hand. And as soon as I tell them I'm a house church pastor, you feel their hand go limp and they kind of pull it away like, like I'm a sick person. Like I have leprosy. Then I see what's happening. And I go, oh God, we've endured all that we've gone through to get us to where we're going, you all. This is our year of breakthrough, of freedom. This is our year to uphold truth and to believe in the one who came to redeem us, to save us. And it's time that we stop playing the weird gospel game. Everyone's saved. Everyone's okay. Live however you want. That's not the truth. And so what are our core values? Love, unity, transparency, accountability, which I just touched on a while ago, and growth. How are we going to grow? By first starting at the beginning. By love. First receiving love from the Father. And then learning to love each other. Because out of that love, we're unified. And in unity, we stand. First with Christ and then with each other. I got you. Because I know you got me. I got you because I know you got me. And that's why we don't play the weird games anymore. We just coddle people, pat them on the back. Oh, that's just her bad attitude. Ha ha. No, it's not funny. Stop acting that way. You're a Christian. You're making a mockery of his blood. Oh, who are you to tell me? Your brother. <laughs> Your pastor. Rob, stop acting that way. Who are you to tell me? Your sister, your brother. Like the accountability, the unity that's there will lead just naturally to being transparent and then the accountability comes right along. Because then when I know that you love me, then when I know that we are united, 
then I could be transparent before you. And in my transparency, I'm now opening up to you to hold me accountable. And when you do, I know it's not coming from a place of trying to wound me or to hurt me. I may not receive it right away. Yvette has wanted to slap me and punch me multiple times. A couple days later, she'll be right back. Broken. It's not easy. But when people can trust you, <laughs> I mean, for goodness sakes, Norman wanted to kill me. <laughs> I don't know how many times she's plotted to kill me. <laughs> back in the days. But look what God does because of love. People may not like what you have to say, but if they know that you love them, they know that you're in unity and that they can be transformed. I mean, for goodness sake, Norma held the deepest, darkest secret. And I don't, you don't mind me talking about it. I knew everything else about her life. Her past, everything. But as she came up here after she left one night and she looked at Gilda and I and shared the last thing that held her captive. And then she walked out of here wondering, what do they think about me? What do they think about me? Just as I thought about her the first day I met her, God is doing something amazing within her. See, your transparency is not going to make us take, take a step back and go, ooh, something's wrong with Shay. That's what I was saying earlier. People from all backgrounds, desires, everything should be coming into churches, being open and real, especially in this one. And we will embrace them and we will love them. But we will uphold truth to them because we want to see them delivered into Christ, held accountable. And we don't set standards and tell them you have to live this way, that way, this way, that way, when they're unsaved. Once they boldly confess and believe in Jesus Christ, they've been given the Holy Spirit. Now we come alongside them and hold them to the standards of Christ as being a Christian. And that's what I was saying earlier. we got to stop playing the games. Matt, you just act however you want when you're saying you're a Christian knowing good and well you're not. It's not going to pat you on your back and be like, ha, ah, ha, yeah, you're all right. Woo-hoo, you got angel wings. No, if you're not living like one, you're not one. You're more welcome to stay, come. But if you think I'm going to call you a Christian or treat you as if you're a Christian, no. You're not a Christian. And that's why I said on Friday nights when the Word of God says, you know, you've got to stop laying the elementary foundations of Jesus over and over. How many times are you going to get saved? You should be moving on to greater things now, the laying on of hands. <laughs> you should start seeing a greater move of power in your life, of, of, of transformation in your life. <laughs> and yet we stay stuck. And somehow that's loving Jesus. No, that's making a mockery of him. 
He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So as we love, as we are in unity, as we're transparent, as the accountability is growing, then growth comes. Because you can't help but grow when people see that displayed. But remember, we're in a generation that is getting darker. But that doesn't make us quake in our boots and we're not scared. Because God is for us. He's not against us. Did y'all hear that? And so I really just want to challenge us. Like I challenged you all this year. Fine. <laughs> if, you, if you don't want to serve Christ, that's fine. But if you're calling yourself a Christian, then would you just commit 365 days I mean, you've committed to yourself and to sin for many years. <laughs> but just do it for 365 days. Just trust and believe and watch. And then live the rest of your life committed to Christ. I'm telling you, he's doing something upon this earth. If your eyes are open, you can't help but witness and go, Oh goodness, <laughs> the Bible's being lived out right in front of us. And so we have to confront the false gospel that's leading people away from Jesus. We've got to confront it with everything within us and say, no more. Not on my watch. My God, it's you or nothing. <laughs> but God, it's you. <laughs> like, we've got to stop going back. We've got to start believing you all. And we've got to allow our belief and our confession to transform us. Because we're Christians. We're the people of God. We are those roaring lions that are coming out. And if you weren't here earlier, go back and listen to the message about this picture that I portrayed or painted for us earlier. We're not the weaklings coming. You know, we can't be going into church or going into prayer and then coming out just as weak and pathetic before we went in. Do you realize the deception, how the enemy works and is destroying and trying his hardest to deceive people that Jesus is not real, that he has no power? The enemy has portrayed this false gospel, just come as you are, receive Jesus, and stay as you are. But you better know Jesus' words. You better know Jesus' words. I'm going to play in closing this songs of worship. Just two to close us out. And then I'll close this in prayer. (coughs) But go forth this week choosing to get back on the potter's wheel. God is not going to force you to love him. God is not going to force you to let him mold you. But oh, may we be willing vessels to say, I'm getting back on the potter's wheel. And God, you break and you do and you whatever you need to do. (laughs) Because God, I'm trusting you. This earth is not our home. And we have been complacent. And we have been compromised far too long now, you all. We got to wake up and together, the few of us, 
can impact the nations. We're not the only ones. There's so many other people out there that truly believe the real gospel. But you have to understand what we're up against. We're up against the world. (laughs) We're up against the flesh. And we're ultimately up against the greatest deceiver ever. And his children, which are religious people. Who carry a form of religion. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And then don't live like one. Their father is the devil. They think they're saved. And you say, oh, is that real? Read the word of God. What was Jesus up against? The world? (laughs) The enemy? The religious? And he told those religious people, your father is the devil. He was real and he was honest to those who stood against him. And he was real and honest to those who said that they belonged to him. Oh, they were around him when things were going good. But now you're talking, I've got to really live this? Oh, no, I don't, I don't want this. And so they go back, and Jesus let them go back. As I prayed earlier, I pray now as we go into this time of worship, that we would be the desperate people who will make our way through the crowd and the condition that we've been in, broken, abused, busted, disgusted, or even just a weird put-on position that everything is fine, you know good and well it's not. (laughs) That we would make our way to Jesus and just one touch, God, heal me. Body, soul, and spirit, I want to be made whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm not searching to be made whole by by the things of the world. I'm not searching by allowing my desires to to draw me in (laughs) to things that I feel I am to make me whole. I'm not listening and believing in the lies of the enemy. No, God, I'm trusting in you. You see, we are to come as we are. In complete rebellion... And incoming, receive, and then be free. You can't. You don't remain the same. It doesn't take you years. <laughs> and again, it's not about living a perfect life. It is living a transformed life, though. I'll share this last testimony with you. I was watching this young man the other day talk about how Jesus met him the night that he was getting stoned. Crazy on drugs. <laughs> But the Holy Spirit had already been prompting him and talking to him and moving. But his life was spinning out of control. Young guy. Just bound in perversion and pornography, everything. Sat in church with his parents. <laughs> Left the church. <laughs> and he's like, but God came to me right where I was at. In my rebellion. And I said to myself, God, that's so beautiful. That's what he does in all of our lives. That's what he did in my life. I hated Jesus. I didn't want Jesus. 
But he loves us so much. Loves us so much that he steps in and he says, here I am. Let me make you whole. Receive of me. And then it's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. But oh, how I pray that we would make the right choice. I'm going to close this out.